0: Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing Podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you
1: become a better cybersecurity marketer.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna Whitfer, here with my... Stupendiferous. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Maria, I'm running out of adjectives for you. <laughs> well, you can just say all around awesome, and I think people will know who you're talking about. That's true. My all around awesome co host, Maria Velasquez. And today we are so excited to have one of our favorite Bryans on the show. We have Brian Whipple. He is the marketing manager at Conetrix and Tandem. He's a longtime member of the society, and he has got some wisdom he's going to share with us. Thank you so much, Brian, for being on Breaking Through. Yeah,
2: thank you so much. I've listened to the show for a long time, so I'm, I'm really excited and honored to be here.
0: We are so excited to have you! And um, before we jump into today's topics, I do want to point out for those of you who are listening on audio, Brian has absolutely one upped us with the podcast setup. He's got blue lights. He's like got a professional camera, an actual mic. <laughs> Brian, tell us a little bit about your setup.
2: Yeah. So. This was kind of a dream of mine, a project of, that I started about a year ago. So we we do a lot of webinars and that's one of our best channels, I guess, or or marketing activities that we we promote and I wanted to make it look and sound amazing every time we we did a webinar. So Josh Forbes our video guy I just said okay we're going to build a studio I got the space from our boss and basically we we came up with this now it's it's relatively simple there's not a you know fancy backdrop or anything it's just you know paper backdrop lights but we yeah we we've invested in the camera we invested in the mic the teleprompter all the things that that make a good setup so it's it's pretty fun
0: That's amazing that is something that we admo- like look up to like you're your setup. When you came on today, we are like, dang.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the goal. Well, in, okay, so I'll give you even more. You know, we're a small company. We're bootstrapped. We don't have a lot of uh, dollars behind us. We, we don't have, you know, venture capital or, or anything like that. So one of the things that our team has to do is we have to make ourselves look bigger, more impressive than honestly, when you walk in the door at the office, Um, because we don't, we have a small team. It's not a big team, but just if you put a little bit of time and effort in the places where it matters, then it can really pay off. So that was, that was one of the big reasons we, we were running these webinars and you know, it looks okay, but we said, you know, let's make this look like we're really, we know what we're doing, like we're real true thought leaders. And, and it, those little details, I think, matter a lot.
1: I'm telling you, it's in those small, humble teams that come the best and most creative ideas because you really do stretch those creative brain muscles to come up with something so different on such a small budget or no budget at all. That's that's where it's at. Yeah, you're
2: forced to. Yeah, there, there's no. You can't spend your way towards a whole bunch of good leads, right? You have to earn the, every single one of them. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun challenge, and it's fun to work with my team as we we try to tackle that challenge.
0: So, Brian, speaking of small teams, tell us a little bit more about Conetrics and Tandem. How big is your marketing team, and what do you guys do in terms of what does Conetricx and Tandem actually do?
2: Yeah, so Kinetrix is the parent company. We have four subsidiaries, or we call them sister companies. And so there's uh, Kinetrix Technology, which is our MSP, very traditional. We help businesses with their IT MSSP. So we do independent or third-party testing, audits, penetration testing, you know, all the all the fun stuff uh, as far as hacking into systems. And then we have Tandem, which is our information security and compliance software. It's a GRC is probably the most common term: governance, risk, and compliance. And then we have accountingware, and accountingware is not a cyber-related uh, product; it's an accounting solution, uh, which is fun, but. Anyway, so the three companies are what led me to the Cybersecurity Marketing Society and primarily service financial institutions across the U.S. So our software in particular, they have about 1,500 financial institutions that use that product and very you know vertical specific product at this point. And from there, that, that generally feeds into our MSP and our MSSP business. So a lot of those customers end up becoming clients of, of those other divisions. And then my team, you know, I'm, I manage a team of five. So very small. We all share roles and responsibilities and jump from one thing to the next uh, all the time. So it, it keeps things active and challenging for sure.
1: So you have two jobs, technically, one to market a services part of the business, and then the other to market the tech part of the business. If I'm hearing sort of the, the setup between the companies correctly, what is your advice for those of us, uh, and I'm asking actually for myself, <laughs> that have to do that? Because like a lot of times you come from tech only SaaS, or you come from services only, uh, and it's a different strategy, isn't it, for growth for marketing?
2: Yeah, it's very different. So the software is much more scalable. You can promote it far and wide. And as a result, your strategy is completely different. On the services side, you're taking probably a more sales forward approach. It's all about relationship building and and promoting um, that way. In fact, with the MSP, one of the things I've recently said to our general manager is if I had X budget... Honestly, I would just give it to the sales team and say, go take a bunch of people out to dinner because it's service oriented. They're high dollar sales. You know, you're talking $20,000 sometimes sales. And it's not about mass campaigns and emails. It's more about, okay, let's go, let's go play around to golf. Let's take them out to lunch. Let's do those things. So just making sure that you have clarity on the approach and what's appropriate for the price point of the product or service I think is is a huge first step and then from there you can one of the things that I've done with my team is I've started placing so I'm technically the only manager I, the only person really calling the shots the rest of the team is doing the implementation but I do have people that I'm calling champions of those divisions and so you know Alexis, as an example, is someone that I'm, she's relatively new to the company, but I'm positioning her to be the champion of our MSP. And that takes the burden off of me to always come up with all the strategies for each of the divisions. And it hones her into, okay, I need to be thinking about high dollar sales to a bank to where we're, do, we're doing all of their managed IT services. And then that allows me to go focus on maybe another division for a time. And I can kind of float in and out of different divisions. Or we might have another team member that's focused you know, on tandem for any given time period. And so that has helped with our small team to kind of give some ownership to where I don't have to be the lead for every single campaign. You know, I can pass that campaign over to them and they can take it and run with it. So there's a lot of other thoughts that are coming to mind, but I'm going to stop there and let you guys ask more questions.
1: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense that the way you've set it up, we've set the team up because It's true, like the buying committee can be different, right? The type of companies or target accounts can be different across each of those. Um, That's really cool.
0: So let's get into webinars because, Brian, you are like my go-to guy when I think of people who know how to execute like a really good webinar. (laughs) So tell the audience a little bit about the webinars that you produce at Conetrix and Tandem, like and maybe even brag a little about some of the attendance. Cause the numbers that you share with us when we're, you know, on our casual sort of cybersecurity marketing society calls, everybody always like their, their eyes like go so wide. They're like, what, how many, (laughs) how did you achieve that?
2: (laughs) So our webinars are our, our most successful, I would say marketing activity at this point. So I'm going to, use tandem as our example because that's really that that's the the software product that goes far and wide and that's the, why we are able to get such big numbers. So whenever I came into the company that activity was actually already very alive and doing well. I actually came in with something that was already successful and then it was just my goal to make it even more successful. I don't know exact numbers. My guess is we were getting about 200 to 300 registrants for those webinars on average. And then I've slowly brought that number up to where I think the last big number that I was able to pull in, we, we actually crossed the 1000 mark, which was which is awesome.
0: Oh my gosh, that's like, because there's such a proliferate, not interrupt, and just to just to be like, wow, but like, there's such a proliferation of webinar content in the cyberspace, like in the world. It's amazing that you have built a brand and content that stands out to people, that you have a thousand people registered for a webinar.
2: During COVID, there was a lot of talk around webinar fatigue, and I kept on looking at my numbers and thinking, there's something different here. <laughs> I'm missing that fatigue I guess because we're getting we get repeats. We have people that we don't even promote the webinar and they somehow figure out that it's there and just sign up without us even promoting because they're such fans of our speakers and our content. Okay, so and I was I was talking to uh, one of my uh, team members yesterday about this and trying to put into words what it is that we're doing different. So I think the thing that we're doing different is we're we're treating it almost like it's its own product. I don't view it as a way just to get leads. I think that's that was a mistake I've made in the past in future pos, or past positions, but we're treating it as if if even if that never sold something at the end of the day that they loved the va- they got value out of that one hour or that 45 minutes that we put on at that moment. So so that was something that I've I've kind of drilled in, so much so that I do not let just anyone speak. I am very protective of who my subject matter experts are. And I do not just accept any topic that floats by my desk or comes into my brain. I really scrutinize that topic. And I think about, is this going to actually provide value to the customer, even if it just stood alone by itself? And then if I have a bad webinar, okay, what am I going to do on the next webinar to where i I gain back the trust of my customer because just one bad webinar, you'll see your registrants just drop on the next one, right? So you've got to gain that back again. And so I'm very protective of, of what we put out there, what topics we're choosing. and, And that's really step number one, as far as how we set up our webinars. The second thing is I take no credit whatsoever is our SMEs. They are amazing speakers They have refined their craft of not only knowing the content and being super smart people, but actually delivering that content. So I'm going to give a shout out to Alyssa in particular, because she's been doing the bulk of our our webinars lately. She has a very unique style. Uh, If you're new to watching her, you might think she's almost scripted and things, but then about halfway through the webinar, you get it like she is delivering content that is extremely valuable, well thought out, and one of the things that she does well is she'll take something that is boring, complex, all, <laughs> all the thing all the negative adjectives, and you leave thinking wow i I could actually tackle this i can I understand this topic better. I can go do this better in my job, and that's a really unique thing to have. And why it was webinars were successful when I joined the company and why they continue to grow as we've made small improvements.
0: How is marketing involved with the content of the webinars? Are you helping Alyssa with like the presentation? Do you lean entirely on her to do all of the content? Like what's the relationship there? Yeah.
2: So for Alyssa, she is a bit of a special case. She handles it all. I, Ooh, I, she's nice. she's kind of every marketing person to dream, <laughs> right? We do rotate in new speakers on occasion, and so depending on their experience, their comfort with the topic, et cetera, we might be a little more proactive in the content and offer more rec- recommendations. What's happening behind the scenes, I think, is really important to note here, too. So shout out to another person, which is uh, Latice or Leticia Said. She is just a naturally gifted speaker and is often... As a result, we often place her as a talking head or or someone in front of the company to speak and and do introductions or to introduce the president or you know whatever the case may be. Well, she has also refined her this craft and she has put on uh, speaker trainings within the company. She she works with each one. She even developed this um, great feedback where you, it's a template. Basically, every time we do a webinar practice, we're giving things that we liked about it, what we don't like. And so that process, it betters all of our speakers. It betters Alyssa because she's behind the scenes giving that feedback. But then our less experienced uh, speakers, we're able to, to better them as well. And as far as the content itself, if they are not comfortable with the content, they don't no, understand, let's say multi factor authentication, MFA, they don't understand all the ins and outs. Then we're going to the experts within the company and we're doing a lot of interviews. We're doing a lot of questioning. We're, we're figuring things out to make sure that the, the content that needs to be in, in the webinar it makes it into the webinar. The prep time behind our webinars is way more than I, I, I'm guessing. I don't know this, but I think it is way more than the average company. And I think that contributes yeah. to the success of those webinars.
0: That's astounding because when you're laying it out, out there like that, I think a lot of people do webinars by like, here's a topic. Okay. Essie, build a deck. We'll help you. And all right, let's do it. Yeah. And they ho- focus heavily on the promotion as opposed to the content. Yeah. We,
2: we take actually the exact opposite approach. In fact, the promotion, we've only recently even started paying to promote our webinars, which has increased our numbers. But we we were getting to 300, 350 numbers without any ad dollars towards our webinars. And it was because we decided, let's focus all of our energy on making it the absolute best content and gaining that trust from our customers. And, and that's paid off. Going back to Latisse real quick. So the first time I joined the company and I sat on a webinar practice I can't remember who the speaker was. Maybe it was our company president even. We go through the practice and I wrote down, you know, four or five little improvements that I saw that maybe a a typo on a slide or whatever. And so it was me, Latisse, maybe one or two other people that all sat in on this practice to give the speaker one rep, right? And I went first, I gave my few items and I thought, yeah, you know, I contributed. I feel good about this. And then we go through around the room and Latisse generally goes last. And she started going through her critiques. And it was probably a half a page, if you were writing it out, of bullet point, line by line. We spent a solid 10, 15 minutes just on Latisse's corrections and critiques. And every single one of them... I mean, she, of course, does it in a way that you accept it, and yeah, that's great, and she's very kind about it, but man, it is a refining process. It is not a, let's fix the typo here and the color here and make the image bigger here. It's, we're going to make this 10 times better by the end of this refining process. And I was like, okay, like, this is how we're doing things. Got it. Like we're, we're really going to uh, critique our webinars and make it something special. And, and since then I've learned, and now I'm creating half a page of notes that all the people around us are all critiquing the same level. And the speaker wants that and, and, and desires that because they want to be the best as well. Right. So we've all elevated each other's game over time, which is something really special to see.
0: Why attend Cyber Marketing Con 2023 in downtown Austin, Texas this year from December 10th through 13th? Well, there's going to be keynotes, panels, and workshops from real marketers working in the cybersecurity industry right now. From companies like Recorded Future, Google, Eureka Cyber, NetSpy, and plenty more. Plus, we'll have the best connections and networking of your career. Get your ticket before the pricing goes up on October 1st. Check out more about the conference at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com backslash conference 2023. Can't wait to see you there.
1: So let's talk about how you measure success for your webinars and... I'll say this, I am getting this vibe from you that it really isn't about leads and you probably don't MQL your webinar attendees like a lot of people do, that you put more thought into the success of your webinar by how well the content you cover resonates with the audience. And maybe it's the engagement during the webinar, the number of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, But talk to us about how you see and what are some of the KPIs you look at to say, okay, this was successful or this was not.
2: Yeah, so I've gotten away from yeah, hard KPIs, numbers, leads, and I think this is kind of a a movement in general within marketing, which is instead of measuring some of these harder numbers, we're looking for what I'm calling signals. So I'm looking for positive signals that said, "Yeah, we did the right thing in this." Instance Maybe it didn't result in a lead today, but I saw this positive signal happen, and that tells me that there are people talking, there's references being made, there's referrals, there's people are going to come back next time, That that type thing. And so I spend a lot of time now just reading the positive comments afterwards. And if I see things, comments from people saying... Out of all the webinars I've seen this year, this is by far the best webinar I've ever attended. Like that's the positive signal we're we're looking for, right? Um,
0: <laughs> Brian, just to interrupt. I love that your like your line is like you're looking for. This is the best webinar I've ever attended. <laughs> it is. Well, <laughs> so that happens enough that you're like, yep, that's the line.
2: <laughs> those are the signals, right? And and it's not mm-hmm. enough to to get. On a scale of one to 10, and how much did you enjoy? And then we get a bunch of seven, eights, and nines. Like our new bar is we want all 10s, and we don't get all 10s whenever you have. Literally 200 people watching a webinar. Somebody's going to have a critique. Someone's not going to, you know, thought they were in something different or whatever the case may be. Someone
0: pressed the wrong button. It showed up, and we're like, "Yeah, they misunderstood." Where's my my accounting webinar? (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. (laughs) They misunderstood the title, whatever. And and so we're not going to ever hit that perfect number, but we get as close to that as possible. You know, that's those are the signals that we're looking for. I will say I have been a little more in tune with uh, leads, MQLs, things like that lately because I I actually occurred to me a small tweak I needed to make in the webinars in order to get those leads. And um, so we experimented with it and it turns out it worked. And so the first time we we did this, we actually got 40 leads from the webinar when we, historically we would get five, six, seven leads with with hundreds of people attending, right? We would only get these small numbers, and and that doesn't mean that they weren't influenced and didn't come back and maybe come, you know, request a demo later, but we weren't getting the immediate sales from those webinars. So we made this small tweak and it was like, whoa, okay, 40 leads, 50 leads all at once. Like this is, this is not normal. This is definitely the right, right decision. So every once in a while, we'll make those tweaks and see positive signals that do influence those hard KPIs.
0: I love that. Can you tell us the tweak? What was it? Was it saying, do you want to get followed up to by sales? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't that. For this particular one, we realized that we were selling ourselves short and not showing enough of the product. So again, we treat our webinars as a way, almost as branding, and we never crossed that line. And that, that was a mistake I was making. So I told it was Alyssa. I told her I said I want to experiment with something. Let's do at the end of the webinar we'll we'll end it and we'll be respectful of everyone's time, but announce that you're going to stay on and you're going to do a 15-minute demo of the product that was directly related to to the topic. And not everyone stayed, only about half stayed, but out of the half that stayed, we basically had a 15-minute demo with highly qualified leads that wanted to see our product. And it was after that, that we had a good chunk. I'm throwing out numbers. I don't really remember, but I felt like it was around 40, you know, leads that said, yep, I want more information about this product. And that was, you know, this is such a simple thing when you look back on it, but that was the difference maker in that particular webinar.
1: Freaking mind blown. That is, yes, so simple. Yeah, so freaking genius. I mean,
2: wow, yeah, yeah, uh, that was a fun one, but you know, I, I'm going to go back to it's not it's not always those uh, that was a fun one because it was like hitting a home run, but there were a lot of tweaks that we've made over the years that led up to that. We could not have done that if we were still doing a subpar webinar with a speaker in their house and bad backdrop and like it had to get to a certain point before that would have worked. So I think that there's steps it's almost like you have to improve a lot of things before you can do those fun, you know, sales things at the end.
0: You know what Brian, I bet a lot of people were on your webinar who just thought you were like a media company and like had no idea that Kinetics and tandem were like products, right? They probably were like, oh I love this 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 like television network.
1: <laughs> oh, the
0: host the host looks really good. Looks I know, really right?
2: <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: you're, you're like nah,
1: no when, like, uh, wrong. It was hard work. <laughs> and hard work pays. <laughs>
0: Okay. That's, that's amazing. What were some things that you tried that you think that, that potentially, you know, uh, failed if you can remember any?
2: Yep. I know a one big one that I think about often because it was, uh, again, whenever I kind of first started. Um, so we use the platform, go to webinar kind of standard. We're, we're looking at others right now, but that's what we're using today. And, one of the things that they did was they used a certain setting that basically required the user to download GoToWebinar before they could join the webinar. And then I was looking into it. and was like, oh, GoToWebinar has an option where you can just watch the webinar in the browser. So that way, it less complicated. I feel like it's a better user experience. And, and so, I, you know, again, I was in this process of I want to make things better. I want small changes here or there. Well, I made this change. And out of the leads that we were getting, it just dropped almost to nothing. And we were doing these great webinars and I was like, man, what you know, and, and finally it occurred, uh, I think Latisse mentioned it to me and she said, I noticed that whenever I closed out of my webinar, the survey didn't automatically pop up in my browser. And turns out that one little feature was not a part of, you know, this setting that I had pushed the company to, to adopt and change. And so it was like, okay, we've got to go back to this deal where people download, go to webinar. They have to install it before they can watch our webinars because after the webinar, we have to get that survey response. That is in that survey, we ask people, would you like someone to follow up with you about, you know, our product, right? Uh, which has fairly, fairly standard practice. And, um, and so when that occurred to me, it was, I kicked myself for about two weeks afterwards, but we made the change. And then sure enough, our leads, you know, go back up afterwards. And it was just because people don't want to go open up another, click on another link to to see the survey. They just want the survey to appear in front of them and then they actually take the survey. Um, so that was that was a mistake that I made That that was frustrating, but it is what it is.
1: Makes sense. What about format of the webinar? Do you go for the traditional slides for 45 minutes, open it up to question and answer at the end? Is it more, and do you ask people to come on camera and mic and ask their questions in the middle? What have you seen works best?
2: Yeah. So we, for the most part, do a traditional PowerPoint, speak to the audience with Q&A at the end, although we have made tweaks to that as well. And I can get into that as well uh, here in a second. We are also starting to do, like I can shift this studio around to where we have two people sitting here and we call them Ask the Expert. And so we have Alyssa, uh, who's interviewing someone that, that uh, is an expert in whatever topic it is. And so we did one on MFA. I mentioned that earlier. We did one on MFA, and we just had an internal SME who would not be a good candidate, quite honestly, to put together a PowerPoint and deliver a straight presentation, but they're really good at simplifying and answering complex questions, right? So that format worked really well. We did that for a period, and I felt like we weren't getting as good of signals and, and numbers as we had normally gotten. So I actually went away from that. And I've realized since then that people do enjoy those. And so we're going to bring them back, but they have to, I have to treat it just like a PowerPoint. I have to have the best speakers. I have to have the best experts. We have to have the best topic. It can't be subpar in any way. And I, and I was starting to slip on that quality just a little bit. So we're going to, bring those back in the fold. Back to the PowerPoint, one of the things that we've started doing, man, I'm giving away all the secrets here, but we do a lot of polls that are interactive. And a lot of them are actually kind of fun, like game type polls, making it not just boring, but entertaining. And then we also started recently doing every, in between any major section within the presentation, we'll do a Q&A. So, Alyssa will stop, or whoever's speaking, stop and say, "Okay, I'm going to stop right here. This feels like a good place. I'm going to do Q and A. It's all via chat, but we're doing the Q and A, and she's reading the questions and answering them. And that has really helped with our engagement. People aren't tuning out and then saving a question at the end. They're engaged in that section, asking the question, and then watching the next session, engaged. Right, and that that's really made a big difference. And then On the back end of the webinar, it's even helped with our content distribution because we can take those Q&A segments because it's literally question, answer, 30 seconds, and it's great social media content. So we're able to split up those little bite-sized nuggets into more palatable social media content.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Your webinars are so powerful, like they're so well thought out and you have every, like every single, again, I I said, maybe some attendees don't even realize that you're a cyber company because your webinars are so good that they're watching a TV show. That's what I was trying to say, (laughs) but it's like every little detail, every little component from the very earliest point of, of it, like the idea all the way down to the, like, how do we distribute this after the fact is thought of You're this is just like, no wonder that you have so many attendees registering.
2: Yeah, I definitely have gone all in on just one activity, but it's paying off. Some days I wonder if I'm sacrificing other activities, you know, because we, we do other things. And so I'm kind of getting to this place where we've got to pick those two or three super successful things and just really make sure those are down to the detail, working exactly like we want them to work, and and constantly challenging the process every single time. Um, so yeah, it, over time it, it definitely has grown, and as a result, our our customers kind of view it almost as a community. Like they know Alyssa, she they they expect great content. They show up, they're ready to go, they're ready to learn. It, it's really a cool thing.
0: That's amazing, Maria. Is it time for our game? It is. Oh my gosh. So excited about this. So Brian, you're now going to be the subject of our very fun mid pod Well, end of podcast game where we are going to guess what you would be doing if you were not in marketing at a cybersecurity company. So Brian, have you had any other like legitimate careers before marketing?
2: Yeah, I was um, in economic development for a city in Texas at one point, uh, wasn't doing marketing at that point, so.
0: Okay, so we cannot choose marketing or economic development. So Maria's been winning this whole year. Maria, do you want to go first? Yeah. Brian, you have such a calm
1: aura to you that I think you probably could be um, in either mental health, social work, that side of science and psychology I don't know I'm getting that I feel like if I sit you with you any longer I'm gonna open up to you about (laughs) everything (laughs) and sit back in my chair and have you take notes and give me advice about (laughs) mental health
0: okay I get that vibe too but I'm not gonna that's I didn't that's Maria has un- unresolved issues that need to come out on this podcast. <laughs> we all, don't, don't we all have unresolved <laughs> issues? <laughs> okay. My guess for Brian. And I don't want to cheat. Don't look at me like that, Maria. Don't, I don't Diana, want I'm to gonna cheat. Mute your mic. You can't. I'm the <laughs> Can you mute my mic on here? Okay. I think you would have a farm, Brian. And it's totally cheating. Today I feel like cheating and being a cheater. I think you would have a farm, of goat, a goat farm. <laughs> so who is more right? Why are we both wrong? And what's your real answer? Okay, so- He would have a goat
1: farm doing goat yoga to help with therapy and meditation. Oh. I mean, it comes full circle here, I think. <laughs>
2: that, I have had that discussion with my wife for sure. So yes, I, I do have a farm. It's a hobby farm, I guess. And we do have goats. So I'm I'm going to say that, uh, Gianna, you would win this, although uh, that would not be the, my income. So I think what I would do, and, and I wouldn't actually do this. I, I love what I do, which is cybersecurity marketing. But what I would probably do in this Hypothetical game is grow flowers and sell them uh, on a roadside stand or something like that. I I, I just would do something very like you know non techy, uh, just fun you know <laughs> something simple like that. Yeah,
1: love that. My grandfather was had a little shop in a central market and sold plants and flowers. Yeah,
2: I have kind of that old soul, and maybe that's what you were picking up on. whatever you were saying, just this calm. uh, Yeah. I I like being outside outdoors, doing something with my hands and flowers would be fun. They're profitable, I think. So yeah, it'd be, it would be what I would choose. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Love that. I'm going to seed this round and I'm going to say I'm not the winner, even though I literally picked the correct answer because I did cheat. So Maria, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I usually don't cheat on this.
1: Yeah, please. Otherwise, I'm going to have to get a a different (laughs)
0: co-host. You really had
2: a guilty conscience there to to give that one up. I
0: I felt bad, like, immediately after. I'm like, oh, no. I ruined the game. I ruined the podcast. This whole thing is done with. I ruined my friendship. (laughs) Now we're enemies. So, all right. Brian, (laughs) sorry. Um... Sometimes we have too much fun in this show. Brian, tell us, not where people can find you yet, I'm going to ask you that in a second. Instead, tell us about Cyber Marketing Con.
2: Yeah. So I asked you guys if I could plug it at the beginning. And I absolutely think this is a conference worth attending, especially if you're in the society, it makes sense to go network. uh, So I get a lot of value. That's where I get my value out of the society is I've met some really cool people. I've even done so. I've done a co-branded webinar with a company. And so it's really cool to talk to people to get that knowledge. And I'm looking forward to the conference this winter, really, it's it's late this year. Uh, and so I'm, I plan on being there. I hope I can see a whole bunch of other people there and meet a whole bunch of other people.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I we can't wait to see you in person, Brian. We've I think we've known each other for like two or three years now. And we finally get to meet. Yay.
2: I'm gonna write down a prediction on what you're gonna say when you first see me and we'll see if that comes true. I'm gonna actually go to my desk right now and write that down and put it in my pocket for when you first see me and we'll see if it comes true. Oh
0: my goodness. That would my gosh. You know what that means? I think that means that Brian is like seven feet tall. I think that's what it means. (laughs) I think Brian is like A giant. And we're just going to show and be like, oh, my God, you're like the tallest man we've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Brian, you know, where can other people find you if they want to if they want to talk about webinars or connect with you?
2: So normally I would say, go Google my name, um, but there's another Brian Whipple that's more popular than me. So you'll have to go to LinkedIn and search and probably add on Kinetrics or something like that. Um, But go find me on LinkedIn and uh, I'm happy to connect there.
0: Is that Whipple Squeeze This?
2: Uh, That is, yeah, there's an old commercial. That's not what I'm referencing. There's a Brian Whipple that's a a CEO or founder of a technology company and, okay, What really makes me upset about this Brian Whipple out there is not only is he more successful than I am, has his own company, he's slightly better looking than me too. It is the most frustrating thing in the whole world. (laughs) So if you want to reach out to the less successful, slightly uglier Brian Whipple, you'll have to find me on LinkedIn.
1: (laughs) Why did this just turn into your therapy
0: session, Brian? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you'll... (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see you next week for an interview with the other Brian Whipple. (laughs) Thank you, Brian, so much for being on. We're going to include links to your LinkedIn in the show notes so people can find you directly. And uh, Maria, you want to take it
1: away? Yeah. So thank you so much, Brian, for joining us. Uh, Thanks for being on the show. This was such a not only informative, but really inspiring conversation. I think uh, we all are probably going to walk away from this thinking it's possible in our world too. look at what Brian was able to build. So thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. As usual, there is a brand new episode that drops every Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get the alert and give us as many stars as possible. And thanks for being loyal listeners. See you all next time.
0: See you at Cyber Marketing
1: Con. That's right.